What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 12 of Behind the Daw, where we interview music producers, artists, music industry experts, people of that nature, on an emotional, philosophical, artistic, and music business basis. This is a companion podcast to our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite music producers to come and break down their songs in real time. If you are interested in that, there is a link down in the description. Really quick, before we get into who we are interviewing today, there are three links down in the description. First link is for the Patreon. If you want to make sure that we can keep bringing you these type of interviews forever, check out the Patreon. It's $1 a month. And plus, you get access to a free Discord community. It's fantastic. Go ahead and check that out. Second link in the description is for suggestions. If you want to suggest someone to come on the show, link in the description. Go ahead and click on that. And then finally, the third link is for private lessons. If you want private lessons in electronic music production or in social media marketing, go ahead and click on that. So who do we have today? Today, we have a good friend. His name is Lucas Rose. He goes by Clockvice. What are we going to be talking about? And why is this one of the most popular episodes on the podcast? And let me tell you why. We're going to be talking about where does anxiety come from? Is it legitimate? Do we need it? We're going to talk about that. Stay tuned. Next thing we're going to talk about is what is a fear-based decision and why should we avoid it? And are you making fear-based decisions right now in your career, in your life? And we're going to be talking about why you don't want everyone to like you in music. And that doesn't make sense quite a lot. Well, it will make sense because it's actually impossible. And if you try to, you're going to be completely wasting your time. So make sure to stay tuned for that. If you enjoy this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you are listening on, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever you're listening, it just helps us know that what we're doing is legitimate and that we're going in the right direction that you need us to go in to help you become the music producer, the artist, the musician, that you need to be. And without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Clockvice. I just want to welcome everyone to episode 12 of Behind the Daw. Today we have Clockvice, who's also known as Lucas Rose. Lucas, how you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing all good. Good, dude. How's Sweden? Is that where you're at? Oh, yeah, it's Sweden. It's uh, very cold. Well, dude, welcome to the show. We're stoked to have you. I'm really excited. Um, you mentioned quite a few things in the in the dot interview that I feel like I'd love to touch on in this. But first off, uh, what we usually like to start off with is uh, to get a little bit more information about you. Tell, tell us about your musical journey. When did you get into music? You know, why did you get into music? Kind of stuff like that. Started getting into music like I don't know when I was about seven or eight. I think like not like making music myself, but listening to a lot of it. Just finding out about metal. Uh, metal music oh really you seem like a metal guy that's funny yeah i definitely used to be so uh, like for up until i was uh 13 or 14 it was just straight up just metal death metal metalcore stuff like that then i sort of started discovering like hard style and stuff like that so i had a bit of a phase with that when i got into like i think the english temper is upper secondary school when i got into that i sort of started listening to house music dubstep sort of broadening the spectrum a bit and then i just had the first listen to uh, esam by amon tobin on the experimental stuff so I think I started making my own music when I was about, must have been 14, 15, somewhere along that. 
So I, I, how old are you now? Uh, 22. And so when you when you started making it, I mean, does it was it like the traditional like garage band, free software kind of stuff? When I started writing music, it was just like I grabbed a bass from the local guitar store, started writing stuff on that. So it was just like metal stuff still. Started making myself anyway. Is it the same bass that's right next to you? Uh, that's not mine, actually. That's my girlfriend's. Gotcha, never mind. Keep going. So I fiddled about with that for about a year or so. But then I sort of get interested in uh, like making me on electronic music. So I <laughs> illegally downloaded a full studio like everybody else. As we all did. We all did that. Yeah, exactly. Just started fiddling about. No, wait, I just got the demo first. So I could never save anything I done. So I'd sit like for just a few hours, export whatever I got. And that was like the finished track. But then I did that. Then I got like torrented version, the full one. So I could actually save what I done. Uh, make more complex tracks, things that actually sound good. So I didn't really have like a, an alias under that period. I was just making stuff. Transitioning to your alias, I mean, where, where did the name Clockvice come from? <sighs> it was just like sort of a stupid metaphor that I came up with when I was like 15, 16. Really? So you've had it that long? Yeah. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Gotcha, gotcha. And do you feel comfortable sharing what, a, what it's a metaphor for? Yeah, it's just like time is a vice. It's a burden, sort of. You just got to make the most of it. Whoa. I never put those two together. Okay, 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 okay. Time is a vice. Okay. Can you elaborate more on that? Because like I can see this going many ways, but that, that sounds really awesome. Like there's never enough time for anything, I feel. Just a recurring thing for me. There's so many things that I want to do, but time just keeps getting in the way, you know what I mean? Okay. Now this is interesting. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. What are some things that you want to do, but time keeps getting in the way? I mean, music's one of them. Those deadlines always end up getting in the way for me. But I mean, that's sort of because there's always one more thing that I want to do with the track. One more decibel of like 10k on the snare or just one more bass and another fill or just one more variation. Outside of music, what are some things that you that you feel like time is stealing from you? Making everything sort of fit together. Girlfriend, friends, work, music, other stuff that needs to be done, like cleaning your apartment, which I never do anyway. I can see the pot on the table in the back. I can see not 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 marijuana, but like an actual physical pot. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. This is really, really interesting because I feel the exact same way where it's like I wake up like many people. I'm awake average like 16 hours a day right? I get like eight hours of sleep. But I feel like no matter how much I really like crack down on like time management and stuff, there's just I don't know if we're just like too ambitious and that's a good thing or a bad thing. But like, yeah, you're right. Like I could produce for hours and hours and get a bunch of stuff done for the multiplier channel and hang out with my daughter and my wife and go for a walk and and like do all this kind of stuff at the end of the day i'm like i wish there was more why do you think we're like that maybe we're just greedy this is interesting yeah let's let's explore that idea so maybe it is just a, a greed thing maybe we just want too much maybe we just need to be more content with with what we do i think so yeah all right yeah i guess it makes sense because and my mom told me this so my mom's a big 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 family person like really big family person like she sacrificed everything for me and my sibling and she would always tell me i remember she told me like she she had this opportunity to to get a really well-paying job and she hated life and but she was making really really good money she never really got to see us and i remember her grandma so my great grandma was telling her and she's like do you want a house or do you want a home and i was like whoa like when she told me that it's like whoa and she's like yeah because a house is literally just like wood and carpet and paint and that's it where a home is like you come and you feel at home you feel comfortable and she's and i guess her grandma my great grandma was saying guess what if you worry more about the money than you do about your kids and if you try and get more stuff done with your work than you do with your kids guess what you have a house is that what you want because if that's what you want you're doing a great job but if you want a home you need to change some stuff yeah i think that's very true because it's a very hard thing to balance with like career and family and relations 
Have you been able to successfully balance that with you and your girlfriend? Oh yeah, definitely. Because uh, I don't work full time. I just work like 50%, which is to make time for music and stuff like that, because I'm trying to make that mean my job as well. Is, is your girlfriend pretty supportive of, about what you do? Oh yeah, she is definitely. I mean, it's not her kind of, it's not her cup of tea really. I mean, she's supportive of it anyway. Are you like me? I'm, I'm assuming you're like me where it's like at the end of the day, if I find out that like something cool happened in music, like if like a new like crazy new limiter came out, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is freaking dope. You know what I mean? Or like, oh man, I learned more about comb filtering today. Like this is super cool. And I like go talk to her and she just like has a smile. She's like, sure. <laughs> Those are words, I bet. No, yeah, exactly. No, like stuff like that. It's just I usually talk to like producer friends. Like Vorso is one of the closer like producer friends that I've got, even though I've never met him. I love that about our age, dude. If I've got like recognition from a big producer whatever something big's like being played on bbc whatever stuff mm. like that that's more sort of i don't want to say easier to grasp translates more to her language kind of a thing yeah exactly that's more relatable for her that sort of stuff i usually tell her because then she can actually like understand and be happy for me as well yeah okay i see what you're saying okay no that's cool man she sounds like a really really amazing person you're, you're very lucky very very lucky yeah i'm very lucky so what about what about your family is your family very supportive about what you do oh yeah definitely i, I mean i'm not joking when i say that my mom is my biggest fan literally wow. my biggest fan no yeah because i was looking like i was looking at the uh, like the total amount of plays uh, on your SoundCloud. Uh, and like number two, I think, was Warsaw, which is like 1,400 total plays of all the tracks. My mom was just like 2,000 something, like way above that. Oh my gosh, dude. Like that's freaking amazing. Oh yeah, she does. Uh, there's this track that I don't, uh, don't expect you change. She's listened to that like just below 1,000 times. And that's just on SoundCloud as well. Oh my gosh, dude. That's freaking incredible. So this warms my heart, dude, because the power of the mom, man, the moms are incredible keep pushing you and to keep in, in such a good way and to keep supporting you and so it sounds like you and i have very similar mothers and i oh dude like that's so awesome so so going back to why you got into music i mean was it more so you just it just intrigued you and you wanted to make it was there some kind of emotional reason like you know you were struggling with certain feelings and then music made you you know, feel better or was it why did you get into music personally i've always been a very emotional person like i was the cry baby of my school anything i just start crying a river and then with like music it's just always have such a such an impact on me emotionally as well i could be in the best mood ever but then i just put on like some clint mansell stuff like uh, the, the fountain soundtrack gets me like really pressed every time but in a good way you know what i mean that's certain sadness that you crave i do i <laughs> I hear you, man. I think I was intrigued by that and just sort of wanted to do it as well, affect people in that way. From what you're telling me, one of your driving factors as to why you wanted to get into music is uh, because you do have a lot of feelings. You do you do feel a lot. You have a lot of emotions and music really, really helped you out. And so you, with that being said, you also have this internal drive to also help people that have struggled with the same things that you've struggled with, right? Is that what you're saying? I don't know so much about like an internal drive, but I guess in a sense, yeah. Uh, I just, I've never had like the, I've never thought of my music as something that helps people. It's just been, I mean, mostly a thing of expressing and like conveying emotions. But if it helps someone, that's amazing. What has been the hardest thing about getting into music and, and making it a career for you? What, is, what has been your biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome? I think sort of the learning curve, not being too hard on myself as well. Really? Are you really hard on yourself? Yeah, definitely. I'm very like self-critical with my tracks that I make. Just out of curiosity, when you are self-critical, when you do struggle with that kind of stuff, what is some of your internal dialogue that's going on? Like, what are some of the thoughts that are going through your head? It's sort of like, what are my fans expecting from me? Or do they want more like experimental music like I used to do, like the first few tracks that I've done? 
uh, and what, how will they react if I release like a dubstep rhythm trap thing? Is that going to like put them off or is it, is it still going to sound like me? You know what I mean? Is it still going to have my sort of character to it? I mean, it's a lot of constantly uh, second guessing a lot of decisions, like anything with mixing, songwriting, arrangement, everything. So we hear this a lot and I know you've heard this before where it's like, you know, when you are making music, when you are, when you get into this type of profession, into this type of field, you need to basically make music for you. You're not supposed to make music for the fans, right? Well, I agree and I disagree. So I agree because those thoughts will destroy you. Oh man, they can tear you apart and keep you up at night. Like they can keep you from doing what you need to get done. It's it, it, it's bad. But at the same time, when you do make music with the desire to help people, you have to think about that. There's no way that you can't think about that. That's why you do music. You know what I mean? And so if you have a desire, not just to make a banger, but to make music where it's like, it can really impact someone emotionally. On, on a much deeper level than the club, then you have to think about that. And so I think that there is a legitimate room mentally that you can go into that's like, okay, I, I need to think about how my fans are going to react to this because I want to convey my thoughts, my feelings, my whatever in such a proper way that don't make sense, that it don't resonate with them. Something I wanted to pose to you. Uh, this is something I learned at Icon. Are you familiar with Icon? Oh yeah, definitely. Perfect, perfect. Have you ever heard about the, the course that they offer? It's called Art of Flow. Uh, yeah. Cool, cool. Do you know much about it? Mm, I think a bit, yeah. <laughs> cool. So for those people who are listening who don't know about it, so what Art of Flow is, is it talks about really tapping into like the pure emotions of making music. Anyone who's made music before, even if it's just from a short amount of time, they know what we're talking about. It's this state that you get into where it's just like you just express yourself and it's beautiful. Like it's, it's just, I don't know, it's like some out of body experience when you're creating music. And so they're trying to basically in this class teach you how to do it as much as possible like how to get into there as much as possible and so what they what they mentioned in there that i've never realized that i struggled with is making fear-based decisions and so fear-based decisions is exactly what you and i are talking about right now so for example a fear-based decision which will keep you from entering this flow state is something like this let's say that you know lucas is up one night he's making a song you know he's really really feeling it and then you go to grab, let's say, another snare sample. And then the thought that comes into your mind is, this is so 2013. At that point, you are no longer in flow because flow is what you feel, right? If you, if you pick that snare sample up and you're just like, not feeling it, that's okay. If you pick it up and you're like, no, I feel like this is what I need right now, that's okay too. What's not okay is when we pick up that snare sample and it's like, how will they react to this? Because at that point, you're making a fear-based decision. You're scared about what people will think of you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, and obviously that translates to everything. What key should I write in? What type of song should I make? Who should I have sing on this song? Should I use Massive or Serum? At the end of the day, literally, if you think about it, everything's subjective. You can use Massive or Serum. You can make House or Dubstep. You can, you know what I mean? You can use Logic or Ableton. When push comes to shove, it really doesn't matter. What really matters is what you feel and if you're staying true to yourself. Because we're in an artistic endeavor. We're trying to create things. We're trying to express our feelings musically. We are literally creating an, an auditory version of our soul. And so 
know when we start bringing these fear-based decision in, guess what? It doesn't work for some reason. It's because it's fear. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just, I never thought about it that way because um, I make a lot of a lot of those decisions, just like I mentioned, like trying to pander to the fan base that I got and the fan base that I'm trying to grow, you know what I mean? Doing things that have felt right to me, you know what I mean? Like this is what I, what I want to do with a track, but sort of altering and modifying it in a way that I think everybody else will be happy with as well. Uh, but I never really thought about that way that I should just like crack on with whatever I want to do. To think about it like this as well, and I talked about this in the previous episode with uh, AU5, but do you know the, the thousand true fans model like the, or the theory behind that? Yeah, I do. I'm familiar with it. Perfect. For those listening who don't know what that is, basically a very, very brief explanation of it is all you need to be successful in the music industry is you need to have a thousand super fans. And a super fan is someone who is defined as someone that will spend $100 on you per year. And if you make that, then you make $100,000 a year after taxes, somewhere around 70 to 80%, depending on how much taxes you have to pay, which is a really, 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 really good living. My uh, basically philosophy that I would pose to you is there is a lot of people in the world man and you want your fans to be comprised of people who love your music for the sake of loving your music you don't want your fans to be the people who are just following trends definitely yeah my thing to you is the way to weed those people out so that you do just have the super fans is to more or less limit or completely stop making those fear-based decisions because you'll notice at least this is my theory you know from people i've talked to and from what i've seen personally as you stop making those fear-based decisions and you're just like i'm just gonna fill i just want to fill you know like i I don't care if people really will like this or not i mean you know to some extent you have to think about that you know what i mean if you include a hitler sample into your into your song people probably won't like that and you probably probably shouldn't do that no yeah exactly but for the most part it's more like you know what? i'm just gonna make what i feel i want to make what i want my theory of what would happen is that yes you would lose fans but the true fans would shine through and as the fans that don't necessarily want that like wait want when you're making will go away the other ones will come that will fill their spot that will actually they'll actually be better fans than the ones that left i mean is is this making sense i mean do you agree or what, what's your thoughts yeah i definitely agree with that like the sort of fallacy that i can see is that like music is an industry so it's dependent on like the big pins depending on uh, agencies and getting bookings and a few of the right people liking your music and booking you and getting you onto labels or you know stuff like labels wanting to get stuff from you it's definitely true but there are some things like in some ways you almost need to pander depending on how far you want to go which places you want to go you know what i mean yeah i completely agree dude you bring up a really good point that we as musicians we want to create but at the same time we also have this need and the need is that we need to make money we have to in order to live and so now we we enter this realm of do i make the music for the money do i make it to resonate with my soul do i do both do it you, you know what i mean exactly you sort of need to balance the whole art side of it with supply and demand Exactly. Completely and utterly. Exactly. And, but you bring up a really good concept is that like at the end of the day, yeah, you got to do something to make money. And there are going to probably be decisions in your music career that maybe artistically aren't the best, but financially they are. And at the time you're going to have to do that because I'm sorry, at the end of the day, if I don't want to perform at X festival, but my kids don't have diapers and food, guess what? I'm going to get over my high horse and go perform at X festival so that my kids have stuff to survive. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. My my kid's life is more important than my music, a hundred percent. I think it's like you you sort of just have to find the balance that works for you. If your passion is like very mainstream music, then hit the jackpot, sort of, because then you can do exactly what you want to do and still make loads of money on it. But when you are like an ex- very experimental producer, like very underground, uh, it's a bit harder to find that balance. I think because then there's no easy way to do it unless you have like a very very like dedicated fan base which is the whole 1000 fans thing as with many other artists and people that i've talked about in our industry this is concerning to you this so, there will be nights when you you are kept up because of this subject between money and art and artistry this is a serious serious concept this is not something you can brush underneath the rug and it'll just work itself out so i want to present something to you and so we talked about this in the au5 podcast where it's like basically a lot of artists including myself and i'm sure you and and basically everyone that's ever been on this podcast something that we've struggled with is the internal voice inside of our head saying we're not good enough to be in this industry there's not room for us we're never going to make it because there's 13 other people that are basically way better than me, which is funny because usually I say <laughs> there's people in Sweden who are, who are going to beat us out. They're willing to put in twice as much work as the Americans are. <laughs> so let's talk about this statistically. Recently, I was at a place where there was a lot of music producers. This person that was talking to the music producer said basically that statistically you're probably not going to make it. It was the most unmotivating thing I've ever heard in my life. Not only is it unmotivating and is it sad, it's statistically wrong. I'm sorry to say, but statistically, that's bullcrap. Here's the reason why. Lucas, literally, if every single person on the earth, so 7.5 billion people, all right, that is a lot of people. If 7.5 billion people wanted to get into the music industry, guess what? There'd be plenty of room because everything ratios out. You noticed how many people were in the music industry back in the Roman times. Not nearly as many people as there is now, but they were still doing it. And back, you look at the 1970s, there wasn't nearly as many people as there was now, but they were still doing it. There was still like the dropout rate and the failure rate was still relatively the same. The fact of the matter is that however many people get into the music industry, it'll just ratio out. Record labels will go up, plug-in companies will go up, concerts will go up, festivals will go up, everything will go up. Everything just ratios out. There's more than plenty of room for everybody. The problem is people love to use the term oversaturated. The, the, the industry is oversaturated. I don't think it's oversaturated. I just feel like there's a lot of amateurs personally. I don't feel like there's too many people. I feel like there's too many people who don't know what they're doing, basically. You know what I mean? There's plenty of room for them. They just need to know what they're doing. Here's my statistic to back that up. Do you know how many super fans a person can have? No. <laughs> so like, for example, uh, I mean, you as Clockvice, I mean, do, who, are, who are some of the people that you are super fans to? Like, is AU5 one? Is Said the Sky one? You know what I mean? Mm, oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I guess like my biggest inspirations, like people like Skrillex, uh, Noisia. Okay, so we got two right off the bat, right? I would say that too. So two of mine are Skrillex, uh, a day to remember. I love a day to remember. Said the sky, Elenium. I mean, I'm biased with said the sky because he's my cousin, but <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like you know, like basically, like we can name people right off the top that you know, like if we had the funds. Yeah, I give them a hundred dollars a year. Heck yes, you know, and I love those guys. So basically, from the people that I've talked to, the average amount of super fans that a person can have is around seven. You can have seven super fans. Whoa. <laughs> it's crazy. And and like comfortably. You can comfortably have seven super fans, right? Seven five zero 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 times seven. So I don't know if you can see that, but what it says is it's fifty two point five billion. That's how much room we have in the music industry before we can consider having a problem. Literally the entire earth 
would have to be into the music industry and then times seven. That's when we need to start being concerned, all right? There is more than plenty of room. We also did the math where it's like, you know, if you only have to convince 1,000 people in the world, anywhere in the world, to love your music, what kind of percent is that? Well, 1,000 people out of 7.5 billion is a hundredth of a millionth of a percent. You see what I'm saying? So actually, to say that there's not enough room for people in the industry in any facet, whether it's country, whether it's electronic music, whether it's metal, whether it's whatever you want, is false. It's completely false. It's it's bullcrap. You know, there is plenty, 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 like more than plenty, more room than we can ever fathom. So that's what I want to present to you. Dude, you can make it. Without a shadow of a doubt, you can make it. You're more likely to make it than you're not by a long shot. So the, the internal battle, I just want you to know the internal battle that you have going on inside of you right now, where it's like, can I make it? Am I going to, you know, am I going to make it one day? The answer is yes. The answer is completely yes, because the only people that don't make it in this industry, literally, the ask anybody, literally the only people who don't make it are the ones who stop. That's it. Literally, that's it, man. No, oh, yeah, definitely. I've never thought about it that way before. Yeah, that's a good thing <laughs> to think about for guys like me. Just that, like fear-based decisions are just meaningless. How, how often do, are you faced with those, those fear-based decisions? Uh, when it comes to music, like every day, every hour, several times <laughs> an hour, just every other minute sort of thing. Wow. I mean, like emotionally, is that just draining? Yeah, it sort of is because it, it puts a sort of stress on you to, to make the music good enough, to make it loud enough, to make the mix good enough, to make, every, uh, make the track relatable for your audience. And I, I mean, with that being said, I mean, are you, are you depressed quite frequently from having these types of thoughts? I mean, not depressed from that. Uh, I wouldn't say, but it's, it takes an emotional toll anyway. It's not just about that because then you start thinking about exactly like you were saying, like, am I going to make a career out of this? Am I going to be able to survive doing this? Cause it's, cause it's like the one thing that I want to do with my life is make a living out of music. So all of that bundled together. Yeah. That does depress you a bit. Yeah. Going back to like the original question, what was the, what was the hardest thing that, what are some of the amazing things that you've went through? What's, what's, what's the other side where like, this is why I've gotten music. Like this is incredible. I think some of the like good things have been like getting recognized by uh, some of your favorite artists, like Cole Prate when he followed me on SoundCloud was just like flying around the room. Same with like uh, Mr. Bill and Pegboard Nerds. You know, I was just having a bit of a regular all day. Uh, just uh, going on SoundCloud, checking your notifications, and then just see like pegboard nerds is now following me. I was just flew out the chair, I was thinking around the room. Uh, that was huge. And then stuff like that is wonderful. Uh, and then like seeing your tracks being played out on big stages, like uh, being picked up by uh, management as well, was very inspiring because then it feels. Because I mean, I've, I've been doing this for a few years already, but sort of been trudging along. Not really. Get, I mean, I've been getting places, but. It's going very slow. So getting picked up by management makes it feel like I'm actually going places, like making serious moves. Is it true that the other day that I saw that Dead Mouse was playing your, your song? Uh, well, yeah, he was playing the collab that I've done with uh, Mr. Bill. That's still your song. That's pretty freaking huge, man. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I was just... <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Like, Dead Mouse is... Uh, him as well is one of the absolute biggest inspirations as well. Like it still sort of doesn't feel real because I just saw it like on the screen. It's like, no, it's just fake. Yeah, because it's like, I don't think I'd even believe it if I saw it in real life. And those are like some things that I can share with my girlfriend as well. <laughs> yeah, which just makes it even better. <laughs> Let's say within the next five years or so, right, you're, you're able to achieve your goals as, you know, your personal goals that you want to see or, or that you want to achieve. I mean, what, what would those goals look like? I mean, do you want to play main stage? Do you, you know what I mean? What are some of your favorite things that you want to accomplish 
I don't want to stress every decision that I make because uh, not just in music, actually, like life in general, I just don't want to have to stress things all the time, constantly be worried about something. Because I mean, I, I would be mind blown if music was the only thing that you stressed out about. You know, I'm sure it translates to, to, to what am I going to eat today, or how am I going to pay this bill, or you know, what am I going to get so and so for their birthday, or anything like that. Am, am I right? Is it? Yeah, it's literally everything, actually. I, I mean, it's even like small conversations with just random people. Yeah, I'm like, uh, it's sort of just the way I am. I constantly analyze everything, like body language. Why did they do that thing? Why did they move that way? So, yeah, so it's a bit. <laughs> I think this is important to note. So, um, because I feel like maybe I can't give you all the answers that you want today, but maybe I can set you on a path to be able to go and find those answers yourself. So, a couple months ago, Trevor and I um, said this guy and I, we were in LA together. So, he was telling me this was like, this was the day that we found out we were cousins, I guess. <laughs> we never knew. <laughs> it's just, you know, like we have the same last name, we live a state apart. It's like, okay come on you know and so and we're both into the same music yeah okay so anyway so like we were talking and i was asking him i was like so because he was playing in la that weekend i'm like so are you scared and he's like yeah I'm like like i'm way scared i'm like really because you're playing like festivals you're doing all kinds of stuff like why would this scare you and he's like i get scared every time before i perform every single time you know i feel like i'm gonna puke you know like all that kind of stuff and i was like that's really really interesting and so i asked him i was like do you know where that comes from like like on a chemical physical level do you know where that comes from he's like no i have no idea i was like so instead of our minds we have what's called the prefrontal cortex like literally on our brain it's called the prefrontal cortex and inside the prefrontal cortex sits right here it's called the amygdala the amygdala was extremely it's still useful but it was extremely useful for our ancestors you know what i mean so like let's say that me and lucas we meet up we high five like what's up let's go hunting and all of a sudden a tiger comes out and we don't have any more arrows the amygdala inside of us will say you need to get out of there right now or you will die. I am sorry, but you will die. You know, it's also called the flight and uh, the fight or flight response, right? It's trying to protect your life, right? And in some instances, it's really, 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 really useful. If you're swimming and all of a sudden there's a shark, it's going to be like, get out. And you'd be like, all right, and you're going to get out and it'll save you. Problem is, is that the day and age that we live in now, our amygdalas are not needed as much as they were for our ancestors, right? We don't really need to worry about tigers. We don't really need to worry about vipers coming and just like slithering across our yard and potentially killing us and our kids. Unless you're Australian. Yeah, unless you're Australian. The entire country is trying to kill you. Like it just- <laughs> <laughs> We live in an age now where the amygdala isn't needed as much. But the the it's still there, and the, the, there definitely is times when it's trying to protect you. But it's not needed as much now, and so now it's creating problems for us. Perfect example: Let's say there's someone you want to go talk to. Let's say there's someone in the music industry or at this conference and you want to go talk to that person. All of a sudden, you're flooded with all this anxiety, and you're like you're sweating, you're worried about what you're going to say. Your heart rate starts going up. That's the amygdala saying, "Oh my gosh, this this is life threatening. If you go and talk to him, and you mess up. This could you you, you could die." You, you know what I mean? It's just, it starts freaking out. Well, that's not true. You know what I mean? Like literally the worst thing that could happen walking over there is he turns you down and you're not going to die. You're going to be fine and you can keep going on. You know what I mean? And so we have overactive amygdalas now and it's, it's a biological thing and it's very, very common in people who are very intelligent and who analyze a lot. That's why I thought it was interesting to say it, that you said, because analyzing things a lot is a part of, you know, increased intelligence. And so 
Yeah, I was just sat here thinking like, yeah, that's me. I've got, I must have like the biggest amygdala in all of the world. <laughs> but what I also said to Trevor about this is that like the amygdala in, in, you know, for all intents and purposes is a muscle is what it is. The more we use it, the stronger it gets. The less we use it, the weaker it gets, basically. It takes time. It's, you know, like me presenting this knowledge to you, you're not going to go overcome everything in the next hour. I found this out years ago. And I'm just barely getting to the point where I can like fully like mostly control my amygdala. The thing is with this, and sometimes people have to have antidepressants. Sometimes people have to go to counseling to really like get over their problems to be able to control their amygdala. But I just want you to know that there is hope. Like they, you don't have to live with this. What you're struggling with right now, it can be overcome. It can. It takes time. You know, it's just like a broken leg. It can be overcome. You just have to, you know, be aware that it's there take proper precautions and then eventually build your strength back up yeah that's definitely resonating uh it's just it's really interesting stuff because i mean anything really that you feel is just chemicals and reactions in your body sort of thing but yeah that's a really interesting thing because uh i think i'm a very sort of i'm extremely afraid of conflict which is something that i've been noticing a lot lately uh with work and stuff like if a customer starts getting just a little bit ticked off like I just go in defense mode straight away and uh, that happen, happens very easily like so I think I sort of know why in the only way now like to an extent I know that it's just there's, <laughs> there's not something wrong with me uh, but there's there's something that I can do about it sort of. that's awesome for you dude and I, I know that as you do that I mean you're already making incredible music and I feel like this is you know you're you're your what's called the, the icing on the cake kind of a thing you know what i mean like the icing on that i just feel like for you because your music is amazing you're you're a genuine dude right you're very intelligent all you need dude, if you can figure out a way to over time what's comfortable to you to basically figure out how to handle this i feel like you could literally be a force of nature in in the music industry i do i i, I honestly i don't see why you wouldn't be i've talked to a lot of people i mean like a lot i mean like a i mean like a lot of people lucas so i know that you have these traits to be able to go as far as you want to perfect dude so um i have one final question for you a question that we ask everyone who comes on the show and the question is this you know let's say that you go throughout your life and you you achieve everything that you want so you've lived a successful life you've been able to overcome everything that you wanted to and achieve everything that you wanted to and now the time has come where your life is ending and you're you're sick you're i don't know something's going on and you're on your deathbed and you're surrounded by and i'm actually gonna i haven't asked this before but i'm gonna ask two different questions so number one uh, question is that like you're on your deathbed you look back on your life and all you can really focus on on your entire life is the one thing that you are most proud of what do you think that one thing where you are just like so proud like yes i freaking did this like what do you think that one thing is i mean living having lived through my whole life there's a lot more stuff that i've done other than music as as do, like when it comes down to it like music is just a hobby you know what i mean it's just a, it's just an interest that i'm pursuing sort of like what i'd be most proud of when it comes to it is uh, sort of hopefully having made a family having raised children having raised them to be good people uh having having had like a good effect on people's lives in general like not just having kids and stuff but like with friends and knowing that i've hopefully like helped people uh contributed literally the best answer as a father as a husband i can testify i've made a lot of music and i made a family the family is far beyond music dude 
Yeah, because it just it's just a much more meaningful thing. It's like music is just music at the end of the day, <laughs> which is a bit, which is also one of those things that has had me so sort of second guessing my career choice because it's like, what am I contributing to the world? It's just a bunch of sound waves. <laughs> which when it comes down to it, but yeah, it's it's not even about that, is it? It's just what people make of it. Exactly. So basically you have like these big cornerstones in your life or like these big milestones. You get married, you have kids, you graduate from college, you do, you know, something, you know, like things that you're really, really proud of. Music not only enhances those moments, makes those moments better, but music also helps all the time in between. I feel like music is very, 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 very important to being happy and to and contributing to a very well and successful life. I mean, you take out music, all of a sudden, maybe it just takes out that icing on the cake, so to say, of the major events of your life. You know what I mean? Or all the time in between them. So I think you're doing a good thing by doing music and, and helping people enhance their lives with it personally. Yeah, because it's like you you see somebody who's like, oh, he's been volunteering in Africa, like helping out blind and deaf children and stuff like that. And, and then you think like, oh, yeah, I'm just sat here, you know, in front of the computer, like, every other day <laughs> just making music the thing is like if we didn't have like movies games music stuff like that like art entertainment stuff overall i'm not saying that it's the same as like helping children in africa you know i mean definitely not that's a bit much bigger cause but i mean it's just i guess you're com- contributing to life in a so much more implicit way with your answer that you had uh it was a perfect answer because it leads to my next question right so my next question is this it's uh so uh, same scenario, right? You, you, you're in your deathbed and uh, you thought back on your life and you said, you know, like the, mo- the thing I'm most proud about is my family. So let's say, you know, we're moments away from Lucas leaving uh, this life and you look over and you see your firstborn daughter and you, you know, you love your, you love your daughter. You know, she's there, dad, I'll be with you till the end kind of a thing. I love you more than anything. And you want to give her one piece of advice before you're gone. And, and whether that's a word, a phrase, a concept, anything, what would be that, that piece of advice that you would give to her? I think don't let other people's opinions hold you back. That's perfect. Because, I mean, for me, that's something that gets in the way all the time. Uh, and I think that's why where my fear of conflict comes from as well. Yeah, because it's like the thought of someone having a negative opinion of me, uh, of me, that thought just, I hate it. But it's something like you're not going to get through life anyway and everybody's just going to love you. Let's say that you're the best you can be every day, like the maximum potential of being a good person that you can be. Like there's always going to be somebody that is going to meet you at the wrong time, at the wrong place. Or just like not even the wrong place, the wrong, uh, the wrong place, the wrong time. Just somebody that isn't going to like you for some reason. And that's, that's just the way it is. Like you said before, there are 7.5 billion people in the world. Not all of them are going to like you statistically impossible <laughs> yeah exactly uh so it's just like the most important thing is trying to be the best person that you can be and being happy with yourself just sticking stick to your ideals this has been fantastic man is there besides that which was freaking amazing is there any last final words that you'd like to say to the producers the, the community that's listening to this right now hmm i think like one thought that i had lately is uh, like i said I've, uh, my music career so far has been moving quite slowly I, I've not done the Martin Garrix thing, you know, release animals and then I'm just a celebrity out of nowhere. Uh, but I think like if I'd ever get to that point where I'm like making loads of money and being like actually like very influential or whatever, that sort of thing. Uh, I think I'd appreciate it more if I got there in 20 years than if I got there in like 20 weeks, 20 hours. So you know what I mean? Because when you do something that big, like right away, you're not going to be able to appreciate it and fully grasp it anyway. 
So that's that's just one big step, and then you, then you're there. Like, what's next? But the thing is, like, when you have these like continuous small milestones, you're continuously getting something that's gonna like cheer you up or motivate you to go even further. It's just like you're gonna get loads more moments where you're gonna be happy about what you're doing. Oh my gosh! Like, I I can't even begin to describe how much I agree with that. That's so cool, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show and being open and honest about everything. We really, really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. It's been uh, it's been a good talk. Hey, Daw Nation. Hope you enjoyed episode 12 of Behind the Daw with Clockvice. Hope you learned a lot. Hopefully you can accept those truths that you don't need anxiety, that you shouldn't be making fear-based decisions, and that you do not need everyone to like you to have a thriving music career. Uh, again, if you like this episode, please comment, like, follow, repost, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, whether it's Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, wherever you're at, just helps us know that what we're doing is legitimate. Remember those three links down in the description for the Patreon, for artist suggestions, and for private lessons. Uh, And then finally, I would highly encourage you to check out the next episode of Behind the Dots. The episode right after this, it is episode 12.5. It is with Clockvice. It is him breaking down the song that is playing right now and what played in the intro of the song. It is his remix of Free Fall that he did for AU5. It's probably the best remix that I have heard in a very, very long time. It's absolutely gorgeous. So please check that out next episode right after that. And Daw Nation, I want you to have a fantastic day. All right. Take care.